Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back, everybody, to the Twisty Pod podcast. I'm so excited today to be speaking with the one and only Paige Knapp of Imperfectly Paige Wellness. This is going to be such a fun episode because, Paige, I feel like I could literally ask you anything and you would give me a whole thesaurus of information about all things wellness and gut and strength and beauty and everything in between. So I'm so excited to chat with you. Oh, yay. Thank you so much, Taylor, for having me on. Um, For those listening that didn't already know, Taylor was on my podcast a couple months ago, and it was like one of the best episodes that I think I ever had. We just, we really have like a good back and forth going, I think. 100%. You're so easy to talk to. And I think one of the things I love most about you and your podcast is that you just allow for things to flow. And I think that's a really hard thing to do as a podcaster. It's what the audience wants you to do, but I think it's unnatural because you feel like you need to like read a script, but it's like a conversation. So it has to flow back and forth and you have such a beautiful, like innate ability to do that. And I, that's why I think that you have such a successful podcast. So it is truly an honor to have you back or have you here after I was there, (laughs) we're back and forth. Uh, But I want to just, you, like I mentioned, pick your brain apart today on literally everything, because I think you're so fascinating and multifaceted as a person and also as a content creator and as a personal trainer and, 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 and so for everybody who hasn't had the beautiful opportunity of following you or being introduced to your podcast, et cetera, how would you give me like your cute little elevator pitch? Yes. So my elevator pitch is that I am a personal trainer and a health coach, and I focus on helping women balance their hormones, get strong and heal their guts without any kind of crazy calorie counting, restrictive diets or crazy exercise routines. Um, and I do all of that because of my own personal story, because let's be honest, that's kind of what everybody does is like you fix yourself and then you get inspired to want to try and help others fix themselves too. 100%. Are you comfortable sharing a bit more about your, your story and kind of how you got there too? Yeah, of course. So I, growing up, I had a totally what I considered normal relationship with food, but I was also kind of similar to you, super active all the time. Um, I was a dancer and I was on dance line in high school and I did the musicals. And so there was basically never a time when I wasn't moving. And Mm. so I could eat whatever I wanted. And so I did. And that was fine. Right. Um, and then of course, similarly to you, I know we, I got into college and all of that stopped because I didn't pursue dance as an actual career. It was just something that I liked doing growing up. Exactly. And so I didn't really think about food at first until I actually ended up having a roommate who was suffering from, I believe she was officially diagnosed with anorexia. Um, but she more borderlined on orthorexia which is what I ended up developing myself. So for those who don't know, orthorexia is when you kind of get obsessive over clean eating and over-exercising to compensate for anything that you're eating that's not clean eating. 
Um, it's not officially recognized by DSM yet, although there are huh. more instances of it popping up, especially now with kind of the, the big focus on like diet culture in the media and everything are making right. people realize that behaviors they thought were just, oh, I'm being healthy by eating clean really can get disordered if you start going down the rabbit hole too far. Can you elaborate a bit on clean eating before you keep going? Cause I think I I didn't actually know what that meant until very, very recently, because I feel like clean is such a vague term, but in the industry, it's actually like very evident. And obviously, like you mentioned, it led to some very disordered habits. Yes. So clean eating, at least to me at the time, kind of meant that I was only eating safe foods. And to me, that meant I needed to know exactly what was in every single thing that I was eating and be okay with it. Mm. So I would eat, I'm trying, like, it's crazy because I can still remember these meals that I used to eat. So please do not take this as dietary advice. Don't do this. However, um, yeah, my breakfast was like, I would count out 11 almonds and a quarter cup of oatmeal and make it with water because milk added calories. So I would make it with water and just like put a bunch of cinnamon in it. And then that would be a meal, quote unquote. That's not even enough food for a snack for me now, but it's just the idea that I thought that I needed to be absolutely set in this specific number range and only be eating those kinds of whole foods. Um, the only weird exception that I made for myself, and this is definitely another facet of orthorexia is like, you'll make rules for yourself, regardless of whether or not they actually make sense. Um, so like I love dessert. And even when I was in my eating disorder phase, I never didn't have dessert of some kind. Like I always factored that in somehow. And I think that was my way of justifying to myself, like, oh, this is fine. I'm just being healthy, but I still eat chocolate, but like one square of chocolate and be like, well, that was my dessert. It's like, not that there's anything wrong with having a square of chocolate, but when you're telling yourself that that's all you're allowed for whatever reason, exactly. It's the mindset. I always like to tell my clients, like, it's not the behavior. That's the problem. It's the intention behind the behavior, which is exactly how it sounds. You're describing it. Like it was Mm -hmm. your way of telling yourself you weren't sick almost. Yep. Like, okay, I'm doing all right because I'm allowed to have chocolate and there's my, my boundary or whatever. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're in college. This is like your freshman or sophomore year that this is all kind of happening. And obviously not to put any blame on your roommate, but I'm assuming it was just a lot of new environments, new habits kind of being formed. And it was also post breakup. It was sophomore year. And my, uh, I think my boyfriend at the time and I had been together for two years and then he broke it off. And I, at the time didn't know why. And so that was definitely a trigger too. It's like, I hate to be like that girl that was like, Oh, I'm sad. And then I end up with an eating disorder, but like I did. And that is the reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's actually a very common thing as sad Mm -hmm. as it is. I mean, that's how we start to cope. We kind of take it out on ourselves. And the first thing that we can start to pick apart is our bodies. Exactly. So, uh, this was all happening when you were in college and then what was kind of like your, maybe your journey on these next steps? Like, what did it start to get worse before it got better or? So it, it started getting 
bad. The, it was the summer between my sophomore and junior year because I lived alone. And okay. for anyone who knows when you live alone, you can do a lot of things and no one knows you're doing them. So mm-hmm. I remember like pacing around my apartment uh, just to get steps in, even though it was really hot outside and like doing all of these weird things. But then that's kind of when things started to change. So I'm going to get through the sad part of the story. In the beginning of my junior year, I met my now fiance and yeah, and he honestly played a big role in helping me learn to actually love food again. He's a huge foodie and now we're both huge foodies. And he, and the thing that I also want to point out here is he didn't know I was sick because I was that good at hiding it. Yeah. Um, I, we would go on date nights, like super late. And he would be like, oh yeah, do you want to go get pizza at like 9 PM? And to me, I'm thinking, okay, well, that means if I'm not eating dinner till 9 PM and I usually eat my lunch at like 1 PM, then that, I guess I can't eat for eight hours because in my disordered brain, that's what made sense. And so I would be able to hide it. And then he always thought that I just really liked food because come 9 PM, I was starving and would just eat everything. Sure. Um, so it wasn't until Ugh. later that he actually found out that any of that was even going on. Um, right. But I, I say that because I know that there's someone out there listening who's doing the same thing. Like, I want you to know that just because you're good at hiding it doesn't mean you're not worthy of help and doesn't mean that you need to continue on that path. 100%. And that's why I bring it up. Um, but then I was actually lucky enough to study abroad. Uh, I went to Nice, France, my, oh my goodness. spring semester, exactly. Um, <laughs> my spring semester of junior year. And that is what made me kick my eating disorder. Um, I stayed in a homestay. And so I had a French wow. family that I was staying with. And if I didn't eat what my host mom gave me, I was scorned. So I basically <gasps> had to eat everything that she put in front of me, including all of these dishes that I wasn't in control of. Um, we had bread with every meal. At that point, I had basically convinced myself that I didn't like bread, quote unquote, because I thought that it wasn't healthy for me. Right. Uh, spoiler alert, bread is, if you are not celiac, bread is the best food ever. <laughs> like, <Amen>. Always. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I physically got transplanted outside of my own comfort zone. And so I was kind of forced to change in that way. Right. But it was honestly like, I know that saying, you know, saying that you studied abroad comes with a little bit of privilege with it. Cause I know of that course. it was, but getting myself outside of my comfort zone physically, I think really did help me learn to see the other side of food. Cause people yeah. in France look at food so much differently than people in America. Oh, of course. I couldn't tell you actually how many comments I've received from my European subscribers that like in the kindest way they don't always understand what I'm talking about. When I say I was conditioned as a young teenager to believe that bread is not a food that is, uh, I suppose, quote unquote, culturally acceptable to eat. If like, you're trying to lose weight, Mm -hmm. let's say, yeah. And they don't really comprehend it in the best way possible because they didn't have like maybe the same media that we had in America. I don't know what the difference is, but I'm kind of, freaking jealous. Well, I'm so jealous. And I think that one of the biggest things, at least in, cause I was in the very South of France, for those who don't sure. know, Nice is on the Mediterranean. Everything oh, is so slow there. Everything. Huh. No one is on time. 
lunch oh. lasts two hours. Okay. Um, okay. If you, yeah. If you make plans with somebody show up an hour late and you'll be quote on time. And for me who came from like Northeastern United States, I was like, go, go, go. Everything has to be on time. Like you don't wow. take time to eat. You just shovel it in your mouth versus, <laughs> oh my God, in France, I, for the first few weeks, I was just like thrown for a loop because everything took so long, but then you start to realize like, oh, this means you actually get to enjoy your food and enjoy the time with the people that like you can sit and have a meal with somebody and actually have a two hour conversation during it instead of just shoving everything in your mouth. Like we do in the States. What a concept, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I feel like it's more enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like in that sense, maybe because of your homestay. And then also like this seated environment where you're having to almost like confront your food head on mm-hmm. might've been an additional element to hopefully helping you to that healing process. And I don't, I don't know if I'm mis- misunderstanding, but I, I bet it was a lot harder of a process. I'm sure it was than just like this two week quick fix of like, Oh, everything's solved. Like, I know we're fast forwarding the story, but oh, yes. Important to like, you know, recognize it wasn't overnight. Important note is this trip was five months. And I, until the last month, I don't think that I would have considered myself recovered because even then it was like when I did have control over my own meals, I was very regimented. I always made sure I was going on walks and like, Mm. Yes, I did want to go on walks because I was on the Mediterranean. Like everyone wants to go on walks. That's great. Right. But I'm sure that there was still, it it wasn't just a snap your fingers. You're in France now. So you're better type of right. thing. So don't, right. if you're listening to this, don't think that it's like, oh, well, it was so easy for her. It was five months of figuring it out. Of course. It, it was definitely worth it. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So you, I think, have a really interesting approach to one, your personal training as a trainer yourself and, and, and coaching people, but also that you focus a lot more on the food aspect of things rather than the exercise, not to say that they don't go hand in hand, but I think even on your website, you mentioned that food was your number one healing factor. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think a lot of the ways that we're often marketed is the opposite. And not to say that there's like one correct or wrong way, I suppose, but I'm, I'm curious on how one, like you, you got to that perspective or two, I guess, like what was your, your studies in that helped you kind of learn more about how you could tackle this from like the nutrition side, first and foremost. Yeah. So when I got back from France, um, I, (laughs) Full disclosure, I went to University of Pittsburgh and my undergraduate degree is in French, obviously, and political science. It has absolutely nothing to do with nutrition. That doesn't Um, matter. Well, yet, because I am doing (laughs) my nutrition degree now. So for those listening, I will have my master's in nutrition by the end of next year, which is exciting. Awesome. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. But um, 
yeah. So I got back, I decided that I really wanted to start weightlifting. So I took a personal training class. Um, that was great. And that, or a weightlifting class. Sure. And then once I graduated, uh, I did get my personal training certification, um, while I was working my French job, blah, blah, blah. And as I started to train people, I was realizing they were asking me so many questions about food and everyone was asking me about food. And it was even mm. like exercise is complicated and yet easy. And I think so is food. Right. But I think that we are fed so much bad information about both of them. And food totally. is something, yeah, food is something that everybody has to eat every single day. I know that if people can change those kinds of habits, they're going to see way faster results and way better results than if I were to say, okay, well, you're going to come to the gym every single day and work on mobility one day or strength one day, because those kinds of habits all involve more effort than me just saying, Hey, why don't you buy this instead of this? The next time you go to the grocery store, it's like more of an easy fix. Um, and so as I continued to study and just like train more clients and start listening to people asking me questions, I realized that nutrition really was the big key to everything. And that a lot of the problems that people try and solve with exercise really do have something going on in the nutrition sphere instead. And so as I continued to read and research, I really fell in love with it. And I was kind of kicking myself that I didn't just like switch my degree and go back and do nutrition. And then honestly, the pandemic happened, which was kind of a blessing in disguise because it kicked me out of my full-time personal training in-person job because the gym shut down here in Iowa. And so I got, you know, I did, I followed the grind. I got a job at a grocery store. And while I was doing that, I was like, Hey, I'm also kind of growing my own business on the side. Like, what if I use this as an excuse to actually just go for it? And so I reached out to the University of Western States and I found out about their Masters of Human Nutrition and Functional Medicine program. And I love that title. I know it's my favorite. (laughs) It's associated with the Institute of Functional Medicine, um, which is kind of, it's like a big governing body and uh, like doctors and other practitioners can get certified through them. Um, Mark Hyman is the one who's like most associated with it. And he does work at the Cleveland clinic and it's just, it's really cool integrative research that focuses more on food as medicine instead of like just the conventional, like pill for every ill approach. Right. Medicine is great, which I will, I will say medicine is great. It does a lot of good, (laughs) but it doesn't fix everything. And you can fix a lot of things with like a food and movement approach, which is what I like to focus on with my clients. Right. Um, so yeah, so I reached out to them and they were like, Hey, if you do these prerequisites online, you can get started by February. And so I worked my butt off and I was running my own business, working at a grocery store, um, and taking basically full-time credit hours to get everything done so that I was able to start in February of this past year. Oh my gosh. I loved it. Because I, I am very much a person who I say obsessed, but lovingly I obsess over things and just get, so, I guess I'm passionate. I get so passionate about things I that I just passion. want to get them done. Of course. And so I just like threw everything, yeah, like every part of my being into this so that I would be able to help more people and make a bigger difference in my clients' lives and in 
anyone who's listening to me, hopefully. Of course. <laughs> well, I hope everybody that's listening understands how impressive and rigorous that is that you did that many things all at once, not to mention dealt with the mental drainage that was 2020, 2021 on top of literally everything. So yeah, kudos. And thank you. My favorite little tidbit to throw in is I actually took my, well, keep in mind all of my classes were virtual, but I actually did take my anatomy final the day after I found out it was COVID positive. So that was fun. <laughs> you see, so you were already like mentally drained. Oh, yourself. I, was, I was sick. Like I, I definitely got it to a more mild degree than many people, but my head was just like a balloon at that point. And so, but I had already scheduled the test and I would have had to pay to cancel and reschedule it. And I was like, I'll just take it. It'll be fine. Did you pass? I did. I passed. Not recommending to take a test with COVID, dear Lord. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. That's lovely. But, but look where you are now, successful and thriving and you're doing everything that is paying off tenfold. Um, so diving into like your, the nutrition side of things, like, and Mm -hmm. what you actually use in your training methods, I want to talk to you about gut health Yeah, because gut health, I think at times has been like an industry buzzword. And I, um, need more information (laughs) on one exactly like I suppose what it is, like, I know the basics, but you know, let's just educate everybody and two, like, what are things that we can do to actually help our guts or Mm -hmm. I guess just understand them? Yes. Okay. So, hmm. all right. I'm going to start out with some cool facts about your gut. So number, number one is that your gut consists of everything from your mouth to your butt basically. Okay. So it literally, that is your entire digestive tract. Um, and in your colon or your large intestine, that is where your microbiome sits and your microbiome is basically its own organ. They call it the forgotten organ because it consists Hmm. of about, I believe between five and 10 times the amount of cells in your own body are in your gut microbiome. Um, you, depending on, yes, you are technically only 10% you and the other 90% of the cells are all not you. They are foreign. Wait, what do you, what do you mean? So they're like, you have to think like your microbiome, like every little tiny little microbe is minuscule. And so its cells are going to be smaller than yours. There are so many cells packed into that tiny little, I think it ends up being between like five and six pounds worth (gasps) of space in your gut. And so there are more microbes inside you than there are your own cells in your own body. So technically you're not really all you, which is really cool. Um, And so it, that is called like a symbiotic relationship. Okay. Um, So I've totally heard that word before. Yeah. So that just (laughs) means that those little gut bugs are helping you be a healthier human. And hopefully by you being a help, like a healthier human, you're going to help feed them as well. And so that kind of gets into what are some things you can actually do to maximize your gut health? Because there is so much stuff in the media that makes me just shake my head and roll my eyes because not a lot of people realize how complex of an organism your gut is. And also absolutely how much BS that the media is trying to sell you just to make a quick buck. Um, (sighs) but 
my, I could go on it for days about that. Exactly. <laughs> like the questions I always get are like, number one, oh, well I drink kombucha. So that's great for my gut. Right. <laughs> and it's like, maybe, um, because you have to think, so kombucha does have live organisms in it, which is great. However, what do you think the likelihood is that an organism that likes li- living in sugary vinegar water is going to like living inside of a human? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I wouldn't com- even think of like that. Exactly. And most people don't, but they're like two, they're different, different species inside of both of those things. And that doesn't mean that it's bad for you, but it just, uh, it means that it might not necessarily be good for you either. Like it's just a thing that's there and passes on through. So if you like kombucha, totally. there's nothing wrong with it, but it's not this amazing gut healer that everybody makes it out to be. Totally. I think that's like kind of what I'm saying when I say, oh, it's a buzzword sometimes in the industry, mm-hmm. like drink kombucha, the perfect gut health remedy or whatever. But yep. obviously if there's people like you that go to school to study these things, it's a lot more complicated than just saying like, Add in a kombucha from GT Dave or whomever. You're good to go. And like, fortunately, but unfortunately, there is so much research out there on gut health things, but a lot of it is not a hundred percent correct or accurate. And a lot of that is because if you've ever looked at the label of a probiotic, like any probiotic, you always see like some really weird name, like uh, lactobacillus, ruteri, and then like a string of a bunch of numbers after it. Sure. And you're probably thinking to yourself, okay, like what is that? Yeah. So the first word that you're going to see there is the genus. And then the second one is the species. Okay. That's where most scientists stop. So even if you look up different um, like articles about specific probiotics for specific conditions, they'll be like, oh yeah, I used lactobacillus rhamnosus and then that's it. And they'll talk about how it affected some condition. That's actually not specific enough because there are individual strains, which are all of those little letters and numbers afterward of that species, which are all completely different and can have different clinical effects. So if people say like, oh, I tried this probiotic and it was really good for this, but it was a different strain than the same one that somebody else takes, it might not have an effect at all because they really are that different and work that differently in the body. So if you have a probiotic sitting around and you're looking at the back and you're like, oh, it doesn't even tell me what's inside this, honestly, stop taking it. It, You're wasting your money. It's probably not going to do anything for you unless you are physically noticing benefits from it. It, It's just a waste. That's so interesting because you'd think that these scientists would know better than to just like slap the label on it, or maybe they do it on purpose to to get money. Yeah. Honestly, sometimes, um, that's a really big thing right now in my program, I'm in a gastrointestinal imbalances course with somebody who did his PhD on these different strains, like strain specificity and why it's so important. Yeah. And so he's like, it, it gets him so fired up because of he's, course. Like, he's like, they're lying to you. And he's created this whole database, um, which is actually, it's called probiotic advisor. Um, so if anybody is interested in that, it is a paid service though. So you do have to like have a subscription, but sure. in that you can look up any probiotic out there and it'll tell you what strains are in it and what what has been clinically proven to happen when you have these strains, because like, for example, um, 
I have a client that I just switched her probiotic because she was taking one that said it was for skin health. And when I actually went through and searched all of the strains inside, all of them said that they um, were only effective for acute prostatitis, meaning your inflamed prostate. She is a woman. Oh, okay. So it, she was why, not why, taking it for yes, that. Why? Exactly. It was a total huh. waste of money, but it was called something. It was, I, I don't want to call out this company, but it was sure. a specific skin probiotic and it had absolutely no clinical efficacy with well, skin. I, I think that's why the education behind all of this is very important because I would do the exact same thing. I'd go to the grocery store. I'd hear that I need to be taking a probiotic. I'd say, sure. I want some glowing skin and the bottle is labeled, take this for glistening nails and hair and blah, blah, blah. And then I bring it home and I take it every single day. Cause that's what I think I'm supposed to do, but I don't know enough research to know what is in it or what isn't in it that is, or isn't helping me. So I think that's, that's fascinating. And I also am kind of curious because I see a lot of videos from like a lot of different content creators, let's say who have had a, a history with healing their gut health, or maybe they're still in that sort of journey. And I'm always kind of wondering how they get to that point where they have this understanding that something might be wrong with their gut. So like, what would be a signaling sign that you might need to get a full profiling done or, or whatever it's called, or, uh, like what are symptoms that you should be taking better care of your gut or does everybody just need to take care of their gut better? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help for your financial to do's bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you are eating a what people call standard American diet, chances are your gut needs some love. Um, and it won't necessarily be like a complete overhaul or anything like that, but there are definitely some tweaks that you could make. Sure. The, the clients that I see that I focus on their gut health with them, um, usually they'll suffer from things like acid reflux. Um, and so they will be like burping up acid, having that uncomfortable feeling of like rising in the back of their throat. Right. Um, I also have clients who suffer a lot with different um, forms of bloating. So either bloating kind of up in your stomach or really lower in your belly. Sure. As well as things like uh, constipation and diarrhea. Those are huge ones. And Ugh, those, ow. those are a dual, like it's a gut and a mindset problem at that point. A lot of the times huh. um, there's a huge, I just released a podcast episode about the gut brain axis and how that those two things kind of interface with each other. And okay. it's really cool. But the short end there is that constipation is highly associated with depression and anxiety is highly associated with diarrhea. And it's You're really crazy. No, I'm not kidding. And it's, I give oh. a fact in there where there was uh, a study done with a bunch of people who with clinically diagnosed anxiety and they were measuring gut transit time. So how long it takes for something that you eat to come out of you. Gut transit. I love that mm -hmm. term. And the record from that study was it took seven minutes for something that someone had eaten to get all the way through them. For those of you who don't know, it should take between 12 and 24 hours 
for something that you eat to actually make it through you. And they were so anxious and everything was moving so quickly that they ate something and seven minutes later, it came out the other end. You're kidding. And then it would be the the opposite with depression, right? Where it would take Mm -hmm. much longer than normal. And sometimes with depression, things can take up to 72 hours to come out. And that's where you start running into a lot of problems, especially with um, like things like toxicity too, because you're not properly eliminating things. And so that can be a big, that can be a major problem as well. And not saying that your depression is causing your gut issues or vice versa, but just saying that these things tend to coexist. And so if you do suffer from one, you probably are suffering from the other one and changing a little bit about your day-to-day life and focusing on your gut might actually help heal your depression as well. There are studies on that too. This is like my favorite thing that I've learned as somebody who like kind of came into this space as a content creator, like very much confused and lost myself. And like, I don't have any degrees in uh, personal training yet or fit or nutrition or, or dietetics, anything like that. But I, I think it is the, the most fascinating thing that I've like taken away thus far is how intertwined your body is on every spectrum. Like whether you think this one little thing isn't affecting everything else, like you're probably wrong. It's a domino effect from top to bottom, literally. Oh, completely. And it can be the smallest things too that yes. set people off and they don't even notice. Yes. Even like, I mean, I was having horrible sleep patterns for the longest time. And then that was affecting like my entire life. And I, mm. I wasn't even recognizing how important it is to prioritize something as simple and as basic as your sleep schedule or regulating your period, your, your gut. Exactly. So what would be like a crash course on something like, I don't want to say like quick and easy, but if, if, was there anything like I could do on a daily basis to help my gut here on out without much knowledge, I suppose. So the, the biggest thing that you can do to help your gut is to feed it prebiotics. Um, so prebiotics, the difference between prebiotic and probiotic is that a probiotic is an organism that is shown to have clinical effects in your body somehow. So it helps your body do something somehow, but when you take a probiotic, it doesn't stay in your body. It doesn't colonize your gut. Your gut is just going to be like, Hey, we'll take the help while you're here. And then usually about 24 to 48 hours later, it's gone. So if you're if you're taking a probiotic and you stop taking it, it's going to stop doing whatever it was doing for you. Interesting. Versus prebiotics feed your own gut microbiome. So all of those different strains that are in your gut right now, you're going to give them the food that they need to do what they need to do to make you your healthiest self. And so prebiotic foods are basically all of the soluble fiber foods that you hear about. So having a lot of leafy greens, having a lot of vegetables, legumes, grains, those are all very, very helpful for you. My favorite ones are definitely cooked and cooled rice. Um, I'm a weirdo that eats cold rice, but it is fantastic prebiotic fiber for your gut. Um, Better than hot rice? I like cold rice better than hot rice. You heard it here first. It's so good. (laughs) Well, I I mean like sushi, there's cold rice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I cook it and I like store it in a container in my fridge and then I eat it cold. 
um, with other things. I'm not just like <laughs> scooping. <laughs> well, just, if you want, <laughs> just sitting there with a spoon. But yeah, once when you cook and cool it, it changes the structures of the carb in there to make them prebiotic for your gut flora. So that's an easy way, which is another way. Like with meal prep, people constantly think they need to have fresh food all the time. Cooking and cooling your rice actually has a benefit. Same thing goes for potatoes too. Cool versus hot. Yep. Yep. Cool versus hot increases the prebiotic fiber. It's funny that you mentioned, um, grains as well. Wouldn't that be tied into what we were talking about with bread and why everybody thinks bread is bad for you, but it isn't at all. Yes. So I'm actually working on a podcast episode about that currently. Oh, yay. Spoiler. Um, Sorry. Spoiler. That'll be out soonish, um, in December (laughs) at some point, but basically there have been a bunch of studies about, Um, people who are eating bread and gluten who are non-celiac. Obviously, if you're celiac, you can't eat bread with gluten in it. Um, It's going to cause an autoimmune reaction and that's going to be trouble for you. But the majority of the population is not celiac. And there was a big study that came out a couple of years ago and I cannot remember the guy's name, but he basically ran all of these animal studies and said, oh, well, anytime anyone eats gluten, it's hurting their gut somehow. And he's not wrong, but the difference is in a healthy human being, your gut can take it. You're not eating only bread 25, seven. Right. Um, Right. And so most, for most people, if you are not suffering from any kind of strange gut symptoms, like you're not super bloated all the time, you're not feeling constipated or getting diarrhea or anything, and you're eating bread, you're probably fine because your gut is like solid enough to take those proteins, know what to do with them. And yeah, it might beat you up a little bit, but if it's not actually breaking through and causing any true damage, it's not going to be bad for you. And so this is another one of those times where I, the media kind of comes into play and it's like, oh, well, this, this is a headline. This guy said it's going to cause damage. And it's like, well, just because it causes damage doesn't mean that it's harmful. It's just totally not great. Um, is that where it was kind of taken out of context, perhaps where there was this huge influx of people only purchasing gluten-free products, yeah. which I would imagine would be very harmful for people who genuinely need the gluten-free it, products. It definitely is. And the other thing I always like to point out is just because something is gluten-free doesn't mean it's healthier for you. Mm. When, they, when you take gluten out of a product, the gluten is the part of the bread that gives it its texture. That's what makes it fluffy. That's the protein that literally creates bread structure. So when you take that out, you have to put something else in. Yeah. And those other things really aren't necessarily the greatest thing for you. A lot of the times um, it's a bunch of different filler chemicals. Like There's gums, like gums or something. Yeah, gums, mm. additives, more sugar. And sure. don't get me wrong, I love sugar. I do eat dessert every night still. (laughs) However, you don't need to be putting sugar in things that you don't think sugar needs to be in. And oftentimes that's what ends up happening. So if you're between a a muffin and a gluten-free muffin and you're not celiac, you can pick whatever muffin you want. It's not, it's still a muffin at the end of the day. Right. But a lot of the media around like choosing gluten-free items, I'm asking, I'm not, I'm telling, was that from that, that researcher, you think that it, said it, it was bad for us? It definitely played a part. I also just think that everyone in America is obsessed with 
whatever free product is out there. So dairy free, gluten free, soy free, um, anything that you can say that isn't in the food that you're eating is, and it's hilarious to me, my favorite, and you'll love this. My favorite example I always give people is when it says fat free pretzels, (laughs) you don't put fat in pretzels to make them. That's literally how the dough works. It doesn't use any fat. Right. Well, and that's also like bouncing off of people associating, um, fat as a quote unquote, bad term mm-hmm. when in actuality, they're probably describing like the macronutrient yep. fat, yep. which like, which is thing makes essential? sense. Correct. But <laughs> I think that's the thing. Like they capitalize off of the fact that the general population doesn't know these things mm-hmm. and they think, oh, well, this is what's going to get people to buy our product. And we're just going to staple some big fat words that are pretty and beautiful, bold font. And then people are going to buy it. Like I see, of course, low fat, no fat, um, dairy free, or no, this, no, that all down the list. But are we actually turning the product around and looking at what's inside the label? Pretty Usually not, usually <laughs> not. And I agree with you. Like I always, I instruct my clients on how to actually read food labels. And the first rule is to not look at whatever's on the front of the package because it's all marketing. Sure. Like, it's really all marketing. And so the things that I always tell people to focus on are the three macronutrients. Look at how much proteins in something, look at how much fats in something. Um, look at carb, I guess. I don't really ever tell people to be very mindful of their carbs. Cause personally, I think women are afraid of carbs and they shouldn't be. Um, yeah, totally. I'm a really big, I'm a really big believer in eating all the carbs. Um, but also eating all of the fat and protein because they're all important. And so when I, like when I'm teaching my clients how to kind of build meals, we always focus on having some kind of source of protein, a fat, a carb, and some kind of like veggie or fiber source of some kind. And that doesn't mean that every meal has to have exact proportions of everything being the same, but if you are in a situation, like you go out to a restaurant and you feel overwhelmed by the menu, find something that has all of those things in it. And then, you know, you're going to get a complete meal. That's going to keep you nice and full and focused and have stable blood sugar and all of the things that are going to actually make you feel good instead of just going out and either being unsatisfied because you pick something that you think is safe, but isn't satisfying or just going like balls to the wall and then feeling awful physically and mentally afterward. Gosh. Yeah, totally. So I want to chat about your, your clients and and what you do with them. Um, who normally comes to you or how do you, um, like, what is your typical training entail? Yeah. Fitness wise, nutrition wise, gut health wise. So right now, um, I have like a smattering of clients from, God, I'm trying to think. I think my youngest client is 19. My oldest client is, uh, I don't want to insult her in her forties somewhere. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to guess in case she's listening. Um, <laughs> but I literally work across the board. Um, and okay. everyone gets a personalized program, which is something that I'm really passionate about because I really believe that everyone is bio-individual, uh, meaning everyone's body is going to work differently and prefer certain things over others. Um, I always like to tell people like 
you could eat exactly what I eat and move exactly the way I move and still not look like me because you're not me. Of course. And so I always like to, like, I pride myself on the fact that I do not give cookie cutter programs to my clients or give meal plans. Um, cause it's kind of like the lead a, or what does it teach a man to give a man a fish? He'll eat for a day, teach him to teach fish. He'll, to fish. Yeah. he'll eat for a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. That. And so that's how I kind of focus with my clients. So one of my clients I'm super proud of right now, we're, um, focusing on healing all of her gut issues that she has. And as of today, she successfully didn't take her proton pump inhibitor for her acid reflux for the first time today. And she had no acid and I am so proud of her if she's listening. Um, yes. And then, um, God, I helped another one of my clients kind of has been getting through some kind of back and forth between constipation and diarrhea for a while. Um, and now we're actually working on, she reintroduced meat. She was a vegetarian and she's been reintroducing meat and she has been feeling so much better. Not that being vegetarian can't be done healthfully, but I do, I am omnivorous and I recommend meat to all of my clients. Omnivorous. I love that word. (laughs) It's fun, but yeah. Um, so I'm helping her transition into that and she started eating beef again recently. And so she's been loving that. I had a similar Um, journey where I was a vegetarian for the most part when I was studying abroad, ironically enough. And I came home like beyond nervous to eat meat again. I was terrified because I didn't Mm -hmm. know what was going to happen to me. And I just heard horror stories, like people throw up, but I was like, ah, I don't know what to do, but I ended up feeling like better as I, mm -hmm. uh, I gradually reintroduced it, but I was nervous. Yes. And that, that is the thing is gradually reintroduce it because that's not all in your head. Um, when you don't eat something for a really long period of time, especially protein, your body starts down regulating all of the enzymes you need to digest it. And so a lot of the time, and this happened with her, because when, when we started out, we started off with bone broth and because it's like the easiest thing on your stomach, it has tons of collagen in it to help heal your gut too. And that's fantastic. But the first night that she made it, she messaged me and she was like, my house smells like, butt. like, what is this? Yeah, I can't stand this. And I was like, plug your nose and drink it. I promise it'll get better. And we actually ended up switching to doing like half beef broth and half veggie broth. And then slowly worked our way up and then moved like completely moved through everything. She started introducing turkey and then chicken. And then last weekend she had a steak and she's like, I can't believe that I'm doing this, but it was so good. Goodness (laughs) gracious. So do you specifically work on just the nutrition side of things with your clients or do you also do any like resistance training as well? Yeah, I am definitely a holistic kind of girl. And so I do focus on everything, but it is food first. So that's totally. food first, um, also mindset. And then we focus on sleep if it needs to be adjusted. Although most of my clients right now actually get really good sleep, which I'm very proud of them for. Cause usually, yeah. yeah, usually people have awful sleep. Um, but that is another thing that's important. And then also workouts. And those are kind of the four pillars that I focus on. Um, and I would create programs for my clients based on evidence of like what works and then also what they're comfortable with of doing. Um, so I have one of my clients has a gym in her house. So she has kind of like full 
access to any equipment. Of course. Um, but then one of my clients doesn't really have anything at home. So we got her a set of resistance bands and she's doing that a couple of days a week because it's something that's enjoyable. Right. And meeting people where they're at. Of course. Exactly. I'm all about meeting people where they're at. And then also meeting people where they're at is so important because I would much rather you do, for example, I have one client that's doing one resistance training workout a week and one day of yoga a week. And we started with nothing, you know? And so it's like, and now she has this consistent pattern. And at first it doesn't feel like a lot, but she can build on that as she goes forward. And I think that that's really important too, because a lot of the times people come to me and they're like, I'm going to work out five days a week. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, you're not. Right. No, so, I don't even work me. out five days a week. There's, it's just, it's not realistic. No, I am. I am sitting here as a health coach. I do this for a living. I only <laughs> work out three days a week. Like, yeah, it's, I mean, as somebody like as yourself, or even as me, who like anybody who has a job, like, it's just not realistic to think you can work out that many times a week, plus cook meals for yourself or get outside or like clean the house, everything. Have a life. There's not enough time in the day. And to be fair, I feel like three workouts per week is great. It is great. And if you look at the research, it's great too. Three full body workouts where you're hitting all of your muscle groups and doing things that are actually going to move all of you and not just like going in and doing a couple bicep curls and calling that a whole day. Right. Um, that's actually what's going to get you the most results. And they've done studies on that and seen like, Oh, well, if I do more days a week and do a split, does that improve like muscle gain? And it doesn't. (laughs) So it's like, I'm all about doing the bare minimum to get the best results. 100%. So when you're, you're taking your clients in and whatnot, what would be like a typical, I, I know you said everything's customized, but like a typical workout for like a full body day or something. What is something, what are moves that you love to incorporate or things that you think are just great in general? Yes. So number one is going to be a squat of some sort. If they can't do a squat yet, for whatever reason, we'll work on lunges or something else. That's going to be like lower body push focused. Sure. sure. Um, and everybody starts at different levels. I've had some clients come in and they're squatting 200 pounds and they're like, okay, help me. And then I've also had other people who can barely get parallel in a body weight squat. And we work from there. Of course. Um, I do have to say my current oldest client right now, when we started, she couldn't get down on the ground and then get back up again without using her hands. And now we're doing barbell squats. Oh my gosh. It can happen. You just, and she works out with me two days a week. Like, do you do zoom trainings? Um, with her, she's my only in-person client because I do have a gym in my basement. And oh my gosh, so, how cool. Yeah. So I do get to work with her one-on-one, which is cool. But um, everybody else is all virtual and I just provide the programs and I'll give feedback. Like I'll have people take videos of themselves doing the exercises and send them back. Or if they want to work on something during our Zoom meetings, um, they'll also like bring me to the gym sometimes and be like, okay, here, I'm going to go squat. I know FaceTime them. (laughs) Yeah. It's so fun. (laughs) That is so cute. Oh my gosh. I would love that. I feel like that would be like a great way to get like in-person tips help. Exactly. And it's really like, it's honestly really beneficial to do it that way. Cause a lot of the times people are like, oh, well, this felt a little weird. Can you help me? And it's like, I can't see it. Like send me a video and I'll be able to tell you exactly what to fix. Right. Um, so right. that's always cool. 
But then other moves that I really like to use are um, some kind of either like bench press or push up, some kind of like horizontal push motion of some kind. Love. Uh, we always focus on some kind of a hip hinge. So usually a deadlift, but if you're not comfortable doing that yet, we'll start off with like good mornings, which is just kind of like a hip, a hip, a hip hinge from the waist. It's the perfect name for it, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's a nice <laughs> bow. Um, yeah. And so we work on just like keeping your back nice and straight as you're bending forward and making sure you're not putting any pressure on your lower back. Cause that's what people always associate with deadlifts is, Oh, well, you're going to throw out your back. Right. Not if you do it right. <laughs> you just need, need to do it right. What's the biggest mistake that you commonly see with deadlifts or just a, like a general tip across the board? A general tip across the board is when you are doing your deadlift, imagine that you are pushing your feet away from you and not pulling the bar up. Because a lot huh. of the times, if you imagine pulling the bar up, your shoulders are going to rise before your butt and you're going to arch and then put all of that pressure on your lower back. Right. But if you imagine that the bar is staying where it is and you're using your feet to kind of push the floor away from you, you're more likely to stay in that nice locked motion. Um, try it next time you do your deadlift. I love it that. honestly, it changes the game for so many people. I do have a pull day later this week, <laughs> maybe I can try it. it then or yep. any day. That's so funny. I would think that would probably help you like mentally think about also like just kind of standing up, like mm -hmm. not making it so technical. I think we get yeah. so in our heads, like yeah, at least exactly. I do. Yeah. People are like, oh, okay, well, butt down, shoulders back, spine neutral, head like 45 <laughs> degrees. And it's like, okay, yes, all of those things are important. But like you said, if you get into that spot and then you just think I'm going to push the ground away from me, you just come up and it's very, very nice and well-controlled. And I love it, that. It works almost every time. Okay. I might've interrupted you. So you also said, you said squats, pushing, um, like chest uh, pushups, yeah, um, and then some kind of overhead press. Um, so usually just like overhead press with dumbbells, uh, if you want to get fancy during COVID, when I had absolutely zero equipment still, I was working on handstand pushups because I was like, <gasps> I don't know how to make this any harder. I could do one. I probably can't do it anymore, but those are hard. <laughs> Wait, yeah. I feel like the last time that we talked, you were on your way to your adult gymnastics class. Are you still doing yes. it? Oh my God. I've been going every week. I were, I'm actually <gasps> usually there at this time, but we're off for Thanksgiving. Oh, I was like, did you um, skip your class to no. talk to me? I would cry, no. but yeah, I've been going every week and I am proud to say I can now do my round off back handspring back tuck on the trampoline. Shut so it's not like door. on the floor and I've been working on my aerial cartwheels. And so that's been like the latest thing. I'm really close to being able to do it on the floor. Like Oh I like, my goodness. I I'm so excited. I can't wait to be able to do that because it's going to be such a party trick to just be like, did you know I could do a cartwheel without my hands? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and people like you do a somersault and people are like, wow. But if you like floated through the air, they yep. lose their minds. Yes. And that's, that's another tip for listeners. Go do something that makes your inner child happy. Um, Love I was that. realizing because I'm sure, you know, like 
when you work for yourself, it's a total grind because you feel like you have to be productive all the time and that everything you do has to have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I, I needed to find something that had no purpose and just brought me joy for the sake of it. Right. And so I was thinking of things and I was like, well, I used to do gymnastics and like, I wonder if a gym in my area does an adult class. And so I called around and I found one. I love it. Oh my God, it is so much fun. And it is an hour of just like running around and jumping on trampolines and (sighs) doing cool things and like into a foam pit, which is hilariously hard to get out of. Oh my gosh, yes. I totally remember that. Even as a kid, when you have infinite strength. Yeah. And that, that is honestly the most exhausting thing. And it's so funny because I definitely like, I'm probably the oldest person in the room every time I go, because there are other classes going on and there's somebody else in the adult class that just turned 17. And I was like, girl, I'm 27. I'm literally 10 years older than you, but But it doesn't matter. Oh my God. It's so fun. Yeah. So gymnastics, if that's not your thing, that's fine. Like, don't go, you don't have to go like super far outside your comfort zone, but yeah, I definitely would say that that's a great mental health hack too, is like, just go do something for the, for the heck of it. Like, I have to tell you, I looked up local classes because you inspired me. I haven't been able to find any yet. None of them have been offered or offered to adults, but I'm going to keep trying because I, every time I talk to you, I'm like, that sounds so much fun. It really is. I say, if you, if you're ever finding yourself in Iowa, I'll tell you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Next time. Um, well, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but was there any other like little snippets that you wanted to like give a little extra hoot and holler for, or any like remaining tidbits that you'd love to leave the listeners with? Yeah, I guess just like I said, at some point on this interview, um, everything is about intention. And so if you're going into the behavior with the intention that you're trying to better yourself, it doesn't matter what that behavior is. It is going to be benefiting you somehow. But if you are using food exercise or any other habit in a way to bring yourself down or keep yourself small, that's where I challenge you to really take a harder look at it. And honestly, like ask someone else's advice or help. Like that's why people like me exist. It doesn't even have to be me reach out to a friend, just even if something simple as like, Hey, do you do this too? that's all that a conversation has to be as a starter. And I think that a lot more people have these things going on in their lives than they even, not even that they're willing to admit, but that they're even aware of. And so starting conversations is definitely going to be the most important way to kind of combat all of this diet culture ridiculousness. And 100%. Yeah, I think, sorry. On the right path. I was just going to say, on the right path. You're good. On the right path, yes. I was just going to say, I totally relate to that. I think- as I've gotten older, I've realized like I can suffer infinitely on my own and it can be me just playing like the self-pity game. But if I don't reach out for help or if I don't start a conversation with somebody, maybe I would never get the help that I truly need to get. So I think that's wonderful advice. I appreciate you so much. And as always, you're such a joy to talk with. And I think that you're just a wealth of knowledge. And so I'm so lucky that I was able to just chat with you and, and get every ounce of information I could from you today. Can you please tell everybody where they can find you or they su- can subscribe to your content and all the glory that is Paige? Yes. So I am definitely most active on Instagram and my handle is at imperfectly page wellness. 
my website's imperfectlypagewellness.com. And then my podcast and including Taylor's episode on it is called Page Talks Wellness. And um, I guess that's probably it for ways to get in touch with me. But thank you so much for having me on. It was a great conversation. And just to plug the whole starting a conversation one more time, these things never would have happened if I wasn't just like, hey, want to come on my podcast? Like, you don't (laughs) know unless you ask, guys. So stinking true. Also, that is a really great episode. So if you finish listening to this, go listen to the pages that go listen to pages episode. Cause I just had the best stinking time. We had some really important conversations there. So love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye guys. <laughs>